welcome to episode 43 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Lebrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The NHL is still in action, and now is your chance to win some money while you watch the game. So Bet Online has come prepared. They've got lines, spreads, and props on every single game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether you're looking to place a bet on the NHL, games in the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we have another college hockey recap for you. But first, we have some news from different teams and leagues about more hockey to be played. Let's start at the college level. Details on the Hockey East Conference Tournament have been announced. This year, with every eligible team being invited to participate in the tournament, seeding has been decided by a formula being called the Hockey East Power Index, which takes number of games played, game results, and strength of schedule into consideration. The tournament will begin with three games on March 10th. The 11th seed will play the 6th seed. The 7th seed will play the 10th, and the 8th seed will play the 9th. From there, each round will be reseeded, and games will take place in the higher-seeded team's home arena. The winner will be crowned on March 20th, winning the Lamorello Trophy and an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. The NCHC has also announced the details for their postseason format. The frozen face-off will take place at North Dakota's Ralph Engelstead Arena. The eight seeds determined by regular season standing will play in three rounds, with the champion being crowned on March 16th. Both tournaments will be single elimination. We also got word that USA Hockey will host the 2021 IIHF U18 Men's World Championship. The 10-nation tournament will be held from April 26th to May 6th, with games being played at the Comerica Center in Frisco, Texas, and the Children's Health Star Center in Plano, Texas. Group A will be made up of Sweden, Canada, Belarus, Latvia, and Switzerland, and Group B will be made up of the U.S., Russia, Czech Republic, Finland, and Germany. And at the junior hockey level, the OHL commissioner, David Branch, has announced that the league is still committed to having a 2021 regular season, but there is no return to play framework in place yet for the league. So Jess, that's a lot of news about hockey coming up in the near future. What do you think? The under-18 tournament was actually supposed to be in Europe. I'm glad they moved it to the United States, but I'm disappointed that they didn't take advantage of I don't know, maybe the arena's not ready, but if I was USA Hockey, I would have moved it to where I could play in Seattle and Everett and Washington. Take advantage of the interest of the Kraken coming to the NHL. That's a great way to sell a lot of tickets, and Washington is starting to allow fans into the arenas, but it's still a good thing. I really say to people, if you really want to get a good idea of what these players look like, As kids, watch this tournament. It'll probably be on, you know, the NHL Network or one of the hockey TV streaming thingies. But I had to stifle a laugh when you were reading the OHL news. I mean, really, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? I told you nothing. I would imagine you are over the moon excited about the NCHC bubble, Jess. It's worked out for them before as a conference. And based on how this season has panned out, it looks like it's the best way to do this. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's proven. They didn't have a single episode of COVID while they played all of those games in the bubble. 
And as soon as they started going to arenas and playing in arenas, bam, you started seeing COVID cases and more COVID cases, game postponements. So I applaud the National Conference for doing the right thing and going back into a bubble for their tournament. It gives every team a fighting chance. Normally, the Hockey East tournament takes place at the TD Garden, but I imagine with the NHL schedule being such a mess, this was likely the best way for them to handle it. I think it's cool to see all 11 teams play in the Hockey East tournament, actually. We'll discuss this later, but this is a year where anything can happen, so having every single team in there is really exciting. For USA Hockey, I think it's going to be really cool, actually, to have this tournament in Dallas. Hockey is starting to grow more popular down south. They're capitalizing on the stars making the cup. I think if this was 15 years ago and you told someone they were having this tournament in Texas, it would be a death wish. But now, since the start of the century, this is only the third time that the USA has hosted this tournament. The other two times were up north in Minnesota and North Dakota. So this is a really exciting opportunity for them to grow the game. A lot of people might not be aware. We are seeing players with Texas addresses, you know, come in to play at the junior level, at the college level. I wouldn't be surprised within the next, I'd say, two to three years, we'll see a pipeline of Texas players. I'll tell you what, it's the same thing in Arizona. The Coyotes may not have their act together, but they have built a junior program in Arizona, copied the L.A. programs and the California programs. Great for USA Hockey that it's more than, you know, Minnesota and Dakotas and the Northeast that are supplying players. I mean, even Florida starting to supply players. So it's a good thing. I hope people take the time to watch this tournament. It's exciting. It's fun. As for the OHLGS, you've been covering Canadian junior hockey longer than I've been alive, but I think we're getting close to the point where the OHL should consider tossing in the towel on the season. Don't get me wrong, I think missing a full season would be incredibly detrimental, not only to the league itself, but to the players in the league. But it's almost March. I think we're right around the time where it makes sense to let things restructure themselves naturally. The Memorial Cup is usually in May, the draft is normally in June. At this point, does it really make sense to not cut your losses and start to think about shutting things down permanently instead of starting them up and bringing them back down again. Listen, if they can get it going soon, I'm all for more hockey. I think it'd be a great idea to have the OHL play, but we're getting really, really close to having that point where I think it just doesn't make sense anymore for them to play. I think the OHL may be a little bit too late to get back in the game. I've advocated it's okay to skip the season for all the junior leagues. You know, the Quebec leagues played all year pretty much. But they've had their instance, too. Right now, there's just two provinces in Canada which don't have an approval to play hockey, and that's Ontario, obviously, and British Columbia. I viewed David Branch as an attempt to pressure the provincial government to open the door so they can play in Ontario. But what the WHL was doing is they were releasing players to go play in the USHL and the BCHL. Well, the BCHL shut down. Well, so now the other junior eight leagues are opening up. So you're seeing that. You're seeing guys like Braden Schneider, Seth Jarvis, who are playing currently in the AHL, where normally at this time of the year, they would have been back on their junior teams because they weren't old enough to play in the AHL. So I think the other leagues are doing a great job of making sure their players are still active and getting their training in and, and, and getting gameplay. If the Canadian Junior Leagues, the major juniors, has to say no again for a second year, no Memorial Cup, it's 
not a crime. My biggest fear is we wake up one day and we see the headline that a junior player died of COVID. It's an unnecessary risk. All right, so now it's time for the college recap. And Jess, we're recording a little later than usual, but that's actually worked in our favor since all of the games are actually finished. So let's go over the scores first. Let's start in the Big Ten at two series this weekend. First, a sweep by number five Minnesota, who had two three nothing shutouts against Notre Dame, and then a split series where number eight Michigan took the first game five to one, and number seven Wisconsin took the second game three to two. In the ECAC, only one series between number eleven Quinnipiac and Colgate. Game one was a two two tie with the Bobcats winning in the shootout, but a much more one sided affair in game two as Quinnipiac won nine zero. But we did have a busy weekend in Hockey East. Let's start with the one-game series. Number 16, Providence, shut out. Number 20, UConn, 4 to nothing. Then we had three sweeps. Number 18, Northeastern over New Hampshire, 6-2 and 5-4. Number 13, Boston University over Vermont with a 1-0 and 5-1 win. And number one, Boston College over UMass Lowell, 7-1 and 4-3 were the final scores of those games. We also had a lot of action in the NCHC as well. We'll start with Miami splitting their series with number six, St. Cloud State. Miami took game one, three to two, but St. Cloud wouldn't leave without a 4-2 victory of their own. Then we had three more sweeps. Number two, North Dakota swept Denver 3-0 in 5-2. And we also saw number 10, Nebraska-Omaha sweep Colorado College 7-1 and 3-2. But in a big upset, Jess. Western Michigan sweeps number four Minnesota Duluth 4-0 and 4-1 this weekend. And not just that, it was not so boring in the WCHA either. First, we had number three Minnesota State sweep Alabama Huntsville 4-1 and 5-1. But two more ranked teams found themselves dropping both games this weekend. First, number 12 Bowling Green was on the losing end against Lake Superior State. The Lakers walk away with a 2-1 overtime win and a 5-2 victory over the Falcons. We also saw number 17 Bemidji State have some trouble this weekend. Northern Michigan beat the Beavers 5-1 and 3-2 in overtime. And let's finish up with some non-conference action. Michigan Tech sweeps Ferris State 3-0 and 5-1. And then we had two one-offs. St. Lawrence and Sacred Heart tied in a 2-2 game. And Arizona State beats Michigan State 3-2. And just since we're recording a little later than normal, we also have the luxury of the latest Usher poll. And after that weekend, we have a lot of movement. In the top 10, UMass Amherst has moved from number 9 to number 10, flip-flopping with Omaha as they move up one. Down four spots to number 8 is Minnesota Duluth. Michigan moves up one spot to number 7. St. Cloud State stays put at number 6. Wisconsin moves up two spots to number 5. Minnesota moves up one to number 4, but we have no change on the podium. Minnesota State stays at number 3 with three first-place votes. North Dakota still at number 2 with eight first-place votes. And at number 1 for the fifth week in a row with 29 first-place votes, Boston College. So, Jess, we've seen some shake-up, a great mix of ranked teams winning and losing this past weekend. What do you think as we get closer to the postseason? I use the USA Hockey Magazine's college poll. They've got North Dakota at number one, Boston College number two, Minnesota State number three, Minnesota four, Wisconsin five, Michigan six, and St. Cloud seven, Minnesota Duluth. They're the ones that did the biggest drop on this poll, dropping from the fourth spot to eight. UMass stayed steady at nine as did Nebraska-Omaha. Boston University's in there. Uh, Clarkson, Clarkson University at 13. Bowling Green is tied for 13. And the team I told you about last week, American International, they finished the poll at number 15, 13-3 record. This is their second week in the poll, and I want to congratulate them because this is a rarity for the Atlantic Hockey League. Minnesota seems to have found itself They've regrouped after a couple of really kind of bad losses. 
But the Wisconsin, Michigan, that was fun. Michigan did what nobody else has been doing. They shut down Cole Caulfield for the two-game set. They shut down his streak, Dylan Holloway's streak. I mean, you're talking about shutting down a pretty potent offense here. So I think from a fan perspective, the fact that this year is so unpredictable means that the best hockey of the year, Jess, is going to come in the next few weeks. We're in the middle of February right now. We have less than a month of play left, and there shouldn't be any team feeling comfortable right now. Because like you said, Jess, this Wisconsin-Michigan series we had this past weekend was the perfect example of these two teams scratching and clawing their way towards the top. And even afterwards, they're still not close to the top. North Dakota-Boston College don't look like they're budging anytime soon. And if you look a little bit forward down their schedule, they've got some unranked teams, but those unranked teams, they're Notre Dame, they're Ohio State, they're Arizona State. They're teams who haven't been fantastic this year, but have a ton of great wins to their name. The one thing that's consistent this season is nothing has stayed consistent. I mean, I don't think any team, at least in the poll that I go by, the USA Hockey Poll, nobody's really stayed at number one for more than two, three weeks. There is not a dominant team in college hockey. A lot of it has to do with nobody crossing over and playing. I mean, we're not seeing number one North Dakota play in number two Boston College like we would see in a regular season. But I'm looking forward to this weekend. Number one North Dakota versus number 10 Nebraska-Omaha. That's going to go a long way in the NCAC seedings. Nebraska-Omaha, they need to show that they're for real. They're number 10, and sometimes these polls, it's a beauty contest. There's plenty of time for teams in the middle of the rankings to work their way up. If you're a team like Boston College, you've been one of the best in the nation for months. Hockey East whips up a new schedule at the top of every week. Postponed games still need to be made up. Hockey East tournament doesn't begin until March 10th. You've got teams like Bowling Green, Bemidji State, UConn, Minnesota Duluth. They are going to find some gear that they need to kick it into because they're running out of time and their neck is right up to the knife. Some of the hottest teams in the nation a few weeks ago were slowly starting to fade out of the picture. So don't be surprised if an AIC or a Northeastern takes over one of the bigger spots or a UMass or an Omaha takes a spot near the top. There's a lot of teams right now not getting a ton of credit. I don't think anyone should be too comfortable because this could literally turn out any which way, Jess. That's what this year has been all about. And I think that might just be how it finishes. Also, they're playing the same teams over and over and over. Sometimes there are some places where I just don't think you're getting a good read. I guess if we have a frozen four, and I'm hoping for it, and it sounds like they're going to do the same thing with everybody playing in one location, one shot would just go right through. If they do that, it'll be interesting to see how they find a number one team. This is a year where I don't care who you are, everybody can say honestly that maybe they got a chance. And I would die of laughter if a little team like American International stole the show. I think that would be the best thing for college hockey, for a little school to win. Anything's possible, Jess. If it can happen in a standard year where all the normally great teams are great teams and they don't face a lot of adversity, who's to say it can't happen this time around? Well, I also think with the scholarship limits that you're going to start seeing a spillover. So some of these smaller schools, they're going to start getting some really talented players because scholarships especially over the next few years with these extra years, you know, you're granting today seniors are going to get an extra year. What are you going to do with the players that you normally would have added? You're going to have to release them or cut your player. One way or another, there's going to be a market for hockey players looking for homes. Don't be surprised if you see some really talented players 
Go to a league like the Atlantic Hockey. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. I want to thank everybody for spending time with you, and we'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.